Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. Welcome back, and I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Sherilyn Carter. The travel jobs we're talking about are her work on a cruise ship, Disney Cruise Lines, and her work at an international theme park, but she's had even more jobs beyond that, so she's definitely a wealth of knowledge and super interesting to talk to, so you're going to want to follow her on social media. And now she's a social media content and confidence coach specializing in supporting women to dig deep and grow through developing a personal brand or elevating their business using using social media marketing. So her passion for helping women with confidence stems from her own personal experiences, and her mission is to inspire women to step out of their comfort zones to achieve the things that they desire most. She's a self-confessed travel addict, makes sense, and uses travel as a way to learn and experience different cultures and encourages others to do the same. And she's also running her business remotely. And so it allows her to travel in a way that she hadn't been able to before. And so she's currently living in Bali. And this year, she also launched her own group trip travel business through Travel Addicts UK. That's her travel brand. And they went to Cappadocia, Turkey. And they're going to Morocco in May. So without further ado, here is the interview. It's a good one. Let us know what you think. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I am here today with my guest, Sherilyn. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. So just to kick us off, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your background, basically up until the point that you left your corporate job and started the travel jobs that we're going to talk about today. Of course. So, I mean, this is a very long story, so I'm going to try and condense it. I'm sure we'll go through some of the nitty gritty of it a little bit later on. But um, ultimately, I have always loved traveling. Um, So one of my first jobs that I had uh, when I was 18 was actually I moved over to Greece and I worked in a theme like a, a hotel resort as the entertainment team. So my actual background is a performer. So singing, dancing, acting. I studied musical theatre. So through my sort of passion and love of musical theatre, I always wanted to have that be the thing that allowed me to travel. So that's how I got working in resorts and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, basically, when you are a performer, <laughs> unfortunately, the jobs that you get are just not it's not very, you know, they're few and far between. So what it means is that you always have to have some kind of income, some kind of income stream coming in. And then what I found was it was easier to be in London because that's where all the auditions were, but also it meant that there were there were jobs that were almost designed for performers. So it would be really flexible work, sales jobs, telephone, all that kind of stuff. So I would always do that. So through doing all of these different jobs and all these sales things and everything, um, I always had performing as the thing that I would go back to. And then eventually, you know, after a certain point, when I'd done a few different um, contracts abroad, which I'll talk to you about a little bit later on, uh, you know, I then kind of got a bit more settled in London and got a job working in a law firm, which I loved. I absolutely loved this job. And I was like, you know what? This is really cool. I could do this. This is cool. Really enjoyed it. Um, But there was always this thing at the back of my head. 
this little niggle that was always like travel like there's more there's more and working in a law firm you know it was very very corporate I had to wear heels every day in my suit and it just wasn't necessarily how I am like as a person to the core so that didn't always fit and um, plus there was only you know 28 days holiday a year and I was like I want to travel loads um so what I started doing at that point was applying for lots of like blogger competitions so there were like youtuber competitions and um companies that were hiring content creators to go and experience these trips write about them uh, document them and I entered two so I entered one that was bust about a company called bust about and one that was a company called Woucher. um and I got all the way through to the end of both <laughs> wow <laughs> so it was crazy so then with with all the momentum of that um I then got noticed by um, someone that was on my Facebook friend she had her own business and she was like I'm looking for a full-time content creator completely freelance completely you know work for yourself work from home you can travel wherever you want do you want it offer me a really good salary and I was like yes so that was the first step out of corporate world and doing my own sort of business as a contracted freelancer Wow. There is so much there. And like, you did <laughs> a great so job much. abbreviating it, but now I have loads of questions and that's so exciting. <laughs> okay. So I'll, we'll start with the lawyer job, like working at the law firm as a, in the corporate world. So what were you doing there and why did you love it so much? So I was actually in the front of house team. And I think that what I enjoyed about it so much was some of the jobs that I'd done up until that point, or most of them tended to be quite sales driven. So it was sales, it was targets, it was all of these like sort of numbers and things. And I feel that when I then started working front of house for the law firm, it was all about connection. It was all about communication. It was all about really premium luxury um, hospitality service. So you would have people coming in, you would know their full names, you'd know the favorite rooms that they wanted to go to, you'd know what phone they had so you could give them the right charges. You'd make sure that you had their favorite food in the private dining rooms. Like I just love that hospitality sense. And it wasn't hospitality in the sense of when I've worked in restaurants before where it's fast paced and it's here, there and everywhere. It was almost like a hotel, you know, it was like a really strange unique experience and they did events and conferences and all that kind of stuff so we would organize all the meeting rooms and organize all of the dinners and the events and paperwork and all that kind of stuff and I just really enjoyed it because I felt that that was one of the first jobs that I'd had in a long time where I felt really appreciated and really valued as a team member you know they I would come up with ideas and people were just really impressed and um, really satisfied with the work that I was doing whereas when I had done sales and, and corporate you know you're only as good as your last phone call you're only as good as you're and, and I really did struggle um with that so then it was nice to go into an environment that was purely about that connection those relationships and and looking after people in that close proximity way awesome and like it's cool like you love this job but you still decided to make a change and I think that's such an important conversation to have because of this yeah. golden handcuff situation yes a yes. lot of people <laughs> won't make moves because they're like well I do have it pretty good you know like I yeah. shouldn't be complaining so can you talk yeah. us through what was going through your mind at that time so it actually started a bit before this. So I, like I said, I was kind of doing this job. I was like, that's fine. But I always had like one eye over there. I was always like, but what if, you know, what if there's possibilities? What if there's opportunities where I can do what I do for fun, but for work? So I always was kind of open. And then these um, opportunities for, you know, vloggers and, and things like that started to land on my lap and people were always tagging me because I guess this is what I want to point out to anyone that's listening is that 
a lot a lot of people will kind of be like, right, I'm in the corporate world and then now I want to be a content creator. Well, guess what? I was doing both at the same time. I wasn't creating content for money. I was doing it for pure joy. All of the things that you know that you would like to monetize, you can do them today. Like you could just do them for fun. You can have a bit of a play around with them. I created an online travel community where I shared tips and ideas and recommendations. That started off with 100 people. It then grew to over 5,000 people. So there's all people sharing ideas and, and, you know, all sorts of things in there. And um, so I was always actively doing it. So it didn't necessarily feel like as big a leap as if I'd have, you know, one day been working in corporate and then the next day gone, I'm going to be a full-time content creator. So that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say, which is, I, I don't know if I'd recommend this, <laughs> but what I did was I was very clear to my, even my new employers that I wanted more. <laughs> So uh, I was a lot of the competitions and things I was applying for, they required people to vote for me publicly. So it wasn't like it was like a kind of sneakily, you know, put my CV over there and just, you know, apply for a job. It was so public. It was like thousands of people viewing my videos, me saying, I want this job because this is, you know, and then my manager, meanwhile, is like on my Instagram. <laughs> so I just had to be really open. I was just like, I love what I do here, but at the same time, I want to be able to travel. Um, and, you know, these these opportunities. And I actually remember I got shortlisted and they said that if you win uh, from this last shortlist, then you'll be required to fly like two weeks later. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I and I just had this feeling. I was like, I know I'm going to win, you know, just like and this is the amount of trust and belief you have to have in yourself. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. So I had to speak to. Well, I didn't have to, but I decided to speak to like the head of the department. And I said, I might get this job. And if that is the case, I'm going to have to leave in two weeks. And it was a really hard conversation because, like I said, I, it was harder because I enjoyed the job. It was harder because I liked the people and respected the people. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> he said to me, if you go, then there will be no job waiting for you when you come back. Like I was like, okay, which is fair enough. But I felt like, you know, that's open and honest. Unfortunately, I didn't get it which then made it even more awkward <laughs> when I was like back at work. <laughs> so I was like, and on to the next one. But then I, I felt that I'd kind of released a lot of that. I need to pretend that this is what I want to do forever. You know, I was okay with kind of being, and and I think that what would have made it harder for the company uh, would be if I was just going to move to go and do something very similar. They could clearly see that it was something that was so far-fetched from what they could offer, you know, from what, they, from what I was doing there. Um, and, you know, my managers did, you know, even though they would have hated to have lost me, you know, they were really, really supportive of my decision. That's so great. And I think like the openness and the honesty is so important for like your own success, because if you're hiding yeah. what you're doing, it's really hard to be authentic. It's really hard it's to put so yourself hard. out there. So, <laughs> yeah. And I love that just this whole time you were open to the possibilities that are out there. Cause sometimes we're so like tunnel visioned that you can't yeah. see that there's other possibilities outside what we're doing right now. So that's so exciting. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So let's back up to when you were 18 and where did you go? What was your travel job at that time? Yeah. So there was actually, so like I said, I was doing performing. So I was always on the lookout for performing jobs that kind of allowed me to travel. So what I did was I had a look online and there was um, a company called Thomas Cook, a UK company. Unfortunately, they went bust a few years ago, but it was like a real like solid holiday company. They would do all inclusive like holidays from the UK to Spain, Greece, uh, Turkey, you know, all those kind of like local uh, places. 
they actually had a job going that was in Greece. It was like an all-inclusive hotel in um, in Greece. In, in No, actually, sorry, no, change of plan. <laughs> that was the second one did. The first one was in Kos, Greece, and the second one was in Turkey. So I ended up working for this very, very, very non-professional company when I was 18. I won't name the company, but I don't. Think, I would be very surprised if they exist. <laughs> it was like in the back of um, the stage newspaper, which is like a performing arts newspaper, and it was like, oh, email us, and you know, we'll you know come over. I had to pay for my own flight to get there, um, and I didn't actually get paid until I got back to the UK. So the whole time I was like broke, like working in this five star hotel, um, and I would do the shows. So I would do like um, dancing shows in the evenings. I'd do like kids club in the day. I'd do water activities like water polo and all those kind of things. It was kind of like fly within the seat of your pants because it was kind of like you were learning as you were going. They'd go, okay, this is the routine. All right, I'm performing it tonight. Like it was just very, very fast. Um, but I knew that I loved that job. And I knew that I loved that style of work. I was like, oh, I could do that because there was so much variation. I got a day off a week so I could go to the beach and I was meeting other people and, you know, people from all different walks of life, different countries and all sorts. And um, so then what I decided to do was do it more, you know, proper. And um, so that's when I decided to work for Thomas Cook the following year. And it was an incredible season. So I worked for them. I was in Turkey, in Marmaris, in Club Julian Hotel. And I absolutely freaking loved it. So again, very, very similar, but it was just, it was just a lot more professional. Um, and while I was there, there was one girl who had actually worked for Disney Cruise Line. And I was like, oh, I'd love to work for Disney Cruise. But I just didn't know how it was possible because it was obviously an American company. And I didn't really know that they did hire internationally. So I kind of had it in the back of my head. I was like, oh, that would be cool. Um, and then not long after, when I got back to the UK, I found out that they were hosting Disneyland Paris auditions. So I was like, OK, not quite the cruise, but I will do these Disneyland Paris auditions. And I got it. <laughs> I got it. So I was like, this is amazing. So I got offered the Disneyland Paris job. It meant I was going to be able to be friends with one of the princesses there, doing parades, doing shows and all of that kind of stuff. And then they said, oh, you know, you'd be starting in May, for example. So I was going to start in May. But then in about the April, they the, an advert came out for Disney Cruise Line. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is that do what I wanted to do. So I auditioned for that as well. Um, and I got that. But the thing with cruises, so if anyone's interested in doing cruises, I would say even if you feel like you're not ready to do it now, just apply anyway, because it's kind of it because of all the contracts and the way that it works in terms of recruitment. There's constantly a revolving door because there's always people moving to different ships. There's always people moving up in the company and going to shoreside, which would be like, you know, head office based on, on land and things like that. So there's always movement within the cruise industry. But also when people start, they're going to be on the cruise ship for six months. So they might hire you today, but it means that they actually don't need you until that contract finishes in six months time. So when I actually got the cruise ship job, um, I didn't have to go onto the ship until December. So I did, you know, I worked in, in Disneyland Paris and, and did that. And then when it started to get too cold, I was like, hey, I might be available now. <laughs> you can put me on the books. And then I uh, I then went over and flew to Florida to go and do the cruise ship. So that was another experience. Amazing. And like, I love how everything just sort of lined up. You had these ideas in yeah. the back of your head and then they just yeah. start falling into place. And so how did it work? Like you mentioned Disney Cruise Lines is an American company. So what is it like being from the UK and coming to the US to work on a cruise ship? So what I didn't realize um, is that the Disney Cruise Line and most cruise ship companies hire massively internationally. 
So you have got such a mixed bag. And, and they actually kind of pride themselves in having people from all different nationalities. I suppose that that's because one, it gives them a lot of diversity within the workforce and, you know, ideas and all that kind of thing. But also, you know, people that cruise can be from any country. So they want to make sure that people can speak a variety of different languages, different dialects, all that kind of thing, and so that people feel comfortable on the ship. So when I actually got onto the ship, I was in shock that, you know, at least four people on my team were from the UK. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know. I thought that was the only one. <laughs> like, they just came to hire me. Um, so there was that. There was obviously American people there as well. You then had loads of people from the Caribbean, from South America, just from all over. And it meant that... All of a sudden, I was thrown into this new world where I, I mean, I already had a taste of it in Paris, but pretty much in Disneyland Paris, it was very much um, French, uh, French, <laughs> French and English. And then there was like a few in between, whereas this was like a whole mixed bag, right? So I was learning things about different cultures, learning things about where people grew up, you know, like, you know, all, all sorts of different things, different departments. And um, so when I actually went onto the ship, I ended up sharing with um, some of the housekeeping team. So I got to know them really well. So it really does just open up a whole new world that I hadn't seen before in terms of being around every single day, all different people from all different backgrounds. And I loved it. What a cool opportunity. So can you tell us a little bit more about like what your day to day was working on the cruise ship? I can, but it'll probably make me tired thinking about it. So on a cruise ship, it's definitely worth pointing out that you do not get a day off. And I'm talking, so you work for five, six, seven, eight months without a single day off. <laughs> What? Unless you're ill. If you're ill, you get ill. But then when you're ill, you have to quarantine in your room. So it's not exactly a fun day. Off. Okay. <laughs> so, exactly. So it is it is a lot of work. It is so it, it's unlike anything I've ever done in my entire life. And I, I think the first few weeks, you're almost like a zombie. You're like, how am I supposed to do this? But then weirdly, your body does adjust to it. When I say that you don't get a day off, it doesn't mean that you don't get time off. So it just means that your day is split up. So you'll be doing some work every day. Depending on what department you're in, you might not have to work every day. So for example, if you are um, in the main stage cast performance, uh, they tend to get a day off or, you know, sometimes even two days off, depending on what their position are, positions are. Um, if you're one of like the speciality acts, cabaret magician, you know, obviously you don't have to work every single day. Um, but most people would have time off in the day. So I would be up at the crack of dawn doing like children's you know Disney party dances and then I'd probably do something at breakfast do a little craft thing and then I'd have five hours off in the middle of the day and then start again in the evening so with that five hours off you then get to decide do I go to Barbados for the day and go to the beach and go get some food and go and do this activity or quad bikes or whatever or do I go and get some rest and sleep in my cabin in the beginning I was like, I'm doing everything, every activity. <laughs> but after a while, once you've kind of been to a few of the islands, you know, quite a few times, then you'll start to kind of go, okay, rest, play, rest, play. I'm going to rest <laughs> yeah. because you're getting to the end of your contract. Um, so my days would be split up in that sort of format and I'd be doing all sorts of things. So because I was an entertainment host, it meant that I would do anything from hosting like children's sort of like little like dancing things to game shows, to high school musical dance parties, to pirate shows. Uh, I would also do like help people with um, 
we would have like cooking classes on the ship. So I'd like host the cooking classes, do all of these like fun Disney game shows and all sorts of things. So it would just be such a variety. Um, and then in the evening, you'd end up like in the club with all the adults where you do like, you know, party dances and all that kind of stuff. Bingo was like a massive like culture thing on the ship. Um, so, yeah, it was just so varied. And I think that's what I liked about it. And I think that that's what helped me develop so many different types of skills because you're learning all of these different types of jobs rolled into one, whereas typically you would just kind of pick one job and then do that over and over again. Whereas we, within that umbrella of entertainment host, you would learn how to host, you'd learn how to organize, you'd learn how to plan for the next day and schedule everything. Like It, it really did stretch all of the things that you're learning. And you're doing it in such a fast amount of time because, you know, it's not a case of work Monday to Friday, then you get the weekend off. You're constantly working. Even when you're not working, you're working. And um, so it really accelerates your skills, unlike any other job. <laughs> that sounds super fun, but super exhausting, like you said. So, yes. Yeah. Wow. Tiring. So, and it makes <laughs> sense that people like the turnover is there because that sounds yeah. pretty hard to sustain for potentially yes. a lifetime. Exactly. Uh, so can you walk us through the hiring process a little bit? You said you saw an advertisement for the cruise ship job. So then what was the next step and how did you ultimately get Yeah, so, so this is what's interesting about cruise ships. They tend to, I think that you can apply directly through cruise lines. Um, but ultimately, because all of the departments are so different, um you know, they tend to hire like they tend to hire through an agency so there's probably like a big hospitality agency that hire cruise ships or a big fitness and spa well-being agency that hire for cruise ships so uh, for example like you know some of my friends on the ship they weren't hired directly by disney they were hired by these agencies who said to them you could be on royal caribbean you could be on Disney, you could be on Costa. It's just, you know, where we need you, that's where we'll put you. So that did happen to some people, but Disney have, um, for their entertainment, because obviously they're very, very heavy on the entertainment, they particularly kind of like had a lot more influence in, in the hiring for their entertainment staff. So what I had to do for the audition was go to Covent Garden in London and they had us do, let me try and think now, because we had a few things. I think they sent us a couple of scripts and um, that we had to kind of like rehearse and, you know, we'd, we'd do these scripts. But they also made us do, I think, I can't remember how what it actually was, but I remember that what I did was I did like a story time with Sherilyn and I like explained like the journey of like what landed me in that room at that point. And I spoke about like my childhood at Disney and all these different things. So it was almost like a Bell's story time thing. So it's like really engaging story. So I don't know if they told us to do that or whether it, I kind of, use that you know did that as an idea but they made us do all sorts of crazy things like we we're walking around the room marching like soldiers like it was just wild <laughs> it's just really really wild and then I you know then I go back and sit down in like my sales job where everyone's in like their suits and things and I'm just thinking like what is my life <laughs> so funny and then while you're working your cruise ship contract is everything covered do they feed you of course they give you a room what is included yeah they give you pretty much everything. So you get obviously your salary, so you get paid. Um, the pay, if you were to look at it, you know, with living in the UK or living in the States, you'd be like, oh, that's not that great. But considering they are taking a hefty amount of the expenses that we would have on land 
and it does make it a little bit different. So you get all of your food included, food, drinks, beverages, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, you also get housekeeping included, you get your cabin included. Um, depending on your level and your rank within the cruise ship, um, then you're probably going to have a different type of room. So I think that some of the uh, the rooms that had the most people in were sort of three or four people. And then obviously, if you were, a, you know, a much higher up position, you would just have a room to yourself. and It'd be like a nice little suite thing. And um, most of the crew live under the water level. So no windows, no portholes. Um, it is just that you're kind of like down these like rickety little, well, not rickety, but like <laughs> little metal stairs in the depths. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I would, I would find that, it, it depends on what you do, depending on what your job is, you know, it's, it's all very, very different. But um, sorry, wait, I'm just trying to think what, what was the question? Because I feel like I've gone off track. No, no. Like what's included? What's <laughs> <today>? <laughs> oh, what's included? That's it. So yeah. So then and then depending on where you are as well, they would sometimes give you extra bonuses. So you might get, for example, because I was an entertainment host, I obviously got to know a lot of the front facing guests and, and all that kind of thing. So we would sometimes get excursions and activities included. Um, so we would go along with the local tour guide and we would kind of be on the tour as well. Obviously, we wouldn't know all of the things that were going on, but we would just be there as kind of like a Disney representative on these tours. Um, so you sometimes get little bonuses like that. There was a whole there, there's a job on the ship that is called crew activities manager. And this person literally organizes all of the fun stuff for the crew. So it would be anything from volunteering. So you'd go to different islands and you would help with like cleanup or go into different you know places to go and help kids and things like that. Um, you would also get wine and cheese night, for example, where on a Thursday evening, you know, starting from 11 p.m., there'd be wine and cheese night for a few hours and they would organize all of that, set that up with the kitchen and, and sort out, you know, everything like that. We would have crew bingo, which got extremely competitive, but it was great. You could win like a thousand dollars, like as a crew member, like it was so cool. Um, we also did a crew dodgeball. So just all sorts of different events. So as much as you are working, you are also playing as well. And, you know, that this is where the community comes through. And obviously you're on these ships for a very, very long time. You've not got your friends and your family nearby. So these people do become your friends and your family through bonding in, you know, these activities and experiences that you share together. Wow. That sounds really fun and like a great opportunity to do at least once <laughs> I think so and also I think anyone that is sort of like young and you know I know how difficult it can be to kind of try and get your money up you know you might have finished uni and you might be like oh gosh like where do I start when you are on land there's just so many expenses and I think that if you want to be able to kind of accelerate your skills really really quickly get some money that is actually like you know you can pile it up you know you're not spending anywhere near as what you would spend at home because you can't you know you can't spend it because you're working all the time so it is a really good way of just kind of doing it for a short period of time even just to experience it learn some skills and also the, the best thing of all which also spurred my travel addiction is that you then end up having friends from all over the world I've been to friends weddings on the other side of the world I've been on trips with friends and you've just always got an invitation to go somewhere very cool and like yes. great point about starting your career off and building up some funds and just having yeah. everything covered that's fantastic and so is Disney Cruise primarily in the Caribbean or where did you get to travel while working on the cruise ship so they actually go all over they've got a few different itineraries they even go to like Alaska they do Mediterranean they do Hawaii all sorts of places but the, the ship that I was on I was on the Disney Magic which is the original ship and um, we did Eastern and Western Caribbean 
So we'd kind of bounce back between the two. They also had their own island um, as well. So Disney have a private island called Castaway Key. So we'd go there. That's in the Bahamas. Um, but what they would do once a year is do a transatlantic cruise. So they would go from the Caribbean all the way over to Barcelona. They'd obviously stop off at some places on the way. So that was like a 14-night cruise or 15-night cruise, something like that. And then they'd base themselves in Barcelona and then they'd go all the way around the Med. So we'd do, you know, Venice, we'd do obviously Barcelona, we'd do all around sort of like the Med area, um, go to Rome. It was amazing. So all of the itineraries are slightly different. I, I find that depending on the size of the ship, the itinerary is different as well. So some of the really, really, really big ships are amazing. They've got great facilities. They're fantastic. But because they're so big, they can only go to certain places, whereas some of the smaller ships, they tend to do world cruises. So you could be in India, you could be in Japan, like they go everywhere. So it purely depends on what what you want to do more. That's so cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for giving us all the insight. Of course. (laughs) Which leads us to today. And what are you up to now? Where are you? I know, they don't know. (laughs) And yeah, tell us about your business and what's going on with you now. So right now, I'm actually speaking to you from my hotel room in Bali. (laughs) It is currently raining outside. It's thunder and lightning because it's rainy season over here. So it starts and stops, you know, it's it's just how it is. You get used to it. Um, I've been out here for just under a month and I'm absolutely in love with it. So the thing that brought me here is that I had always wanted, so I'd worked and traveled quite a lot, as you know, obviously with cruise ships and theme parks. I also did a working holiday visa in Australia, so I got to travel around and and did that as well. But what I found was that everywhere that I went, I always had to have a base. I always had to have the job, and then I'd go and have a bit of fun, and then I'd come back to the job and have a bit of fun and come back to the job. So I always wanted to have my own thing so that I didn't have to be at the mercy of other people's, you know, time zones or be somewhere physically for work. I could kind of be somewhere else. So I guess in some kind of subconscious way, over these years, I've been wanting to create something that allowed me to work and travel of my own. So what I decided to do um, after I did my year of content creation, I learned so much about content creation because not only had I got used to creating content myself, I then started creating it for other brands. I was then teaching people how to do their own content. And I thought I'd love to do something that was around this area. Um, I enjoyed being a content creator, but the only thing I found was that when you're creating content on behalf of other businesses or other people or the brands, you can start to lose your own voice. And I was like, I really want to say my own message. I want to say what I want to talk about. Um, And I want to do that in a way that benefits other people. So I decided to create my own business, which is called The Confidence Cake. And ultimately, I'm a content and confidence coach. So I help people, women specifically, who have small businesses or brands that they want to be able to grow, get in front of more people, to to gain collaborations, get more sales, sell more products, services, all that kind of thing. Um, But it's all about getting yourself out there. And again, this goes back to what we spoke about way at the beginning of the podcast, which is that when, you know, when you start to put yourselves out there, that's where the opportunities are. And if you shy away from social media, if you shy away from being on stage and being public, um, then it can be really, really difficult to find and attract those opportunities because no one knows that you're there. No one knows that you exist. So what I help people with is, yes, the content creation side of things, which I absolutely love, all of the different, you know, all the different styles of content, how to make it really engaging, fun, all that kind of stuff. But I feel that that is what a lot of content coaches focus on. So what I also focus on is the confidence side of things because I feel like a lot of us know what to do and what we probably should be doing but then there's a barrier and that often comes down to you not feeling confident enough to put yourself out there 
afraid of being seen, wonder what people think. Again, that whole sort of narrative of I work with these people, who are they going to think that I am if I show up online on social media? So it's kind of overcoming those barriers that stop you initially and then opening up to, okay, right, so we've got past those barriers. Now this is the strategy. This is the structure. This is how we can get people very, very much aware of what your products and services are and funnel them into paying clients, customers, um, collaborations. Amazing. Because totally like you can be like I know what I should be doing but why am I not yes. doing it and there's yeah. usually some stuff stuck inside that you yeah need help kind of bringing to the surface yeah. so that's amazing so would you be able to offer a tip to anyone listening who might be stuck in that initial stage not able to put themselves out there what is one action step they could maybe take away from this uh, can I give two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so the first thing that I would say is instead of trying to people please through social media, which I think a lot of people do, they kind of think, oh, what does everyone want to see? What does everyone want to want to experience? You know, really think about what one person wants and think about who your one person is. Because if I create content for everybody, it looks very, very different. It's very generic. Everyone, haha, oh, that's great, wonderful. But if I create content for one person, I might only get a couple of likes. I might only get a little bit of interaction, but guess what? I get money. I get somebody that signs up. I get somebody that's able to step into a new phase of their life. And they're the times that, you know, the, the, the posts that I've done that have literally been like the flops, they have been the ones that have powerfully made an impact to someone because I get messages about it. They're like, I remember when you spoke about that and I'm thinking, I don't even like that post. <laughs> <laughs> but these are the things that really make a difference. That's my first tip. Don't think about people pleasing everybody and the masses. Think about who that one person is that you want to make an impact for. And I'm telling you, you will make that impact if you continue to deliver that message consistently, you know, over a period of time. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that we don't know what we don't know. No matter what, we just don't know it. <laughs> so all I would say is get help, get support. I remember going around and around and around and around in circles for the longest time because I thought I knew what I was doing. I was like, I know what to do when it comes to creating content. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. But there was a very, very significant step that I didn't know, which was how to convert my, you know, my actual content viewers and my audience into paying clients. And now I've been able to launch three businesses. So I've got my content um, and confidence business. I've also launched a group travel business. So remember the Facebook group I told you about that started off with 100 people, now 5,000 people. I never asked them for anything. I never offered a service, offered a product. And then I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to see it because I've learned the skills, how to monetize. And then I, I was able to launch my first ever group trip to Cappadocia, Turkey, and then we're going to Morocco next year. And this is all a result of being able to, one, get over the confidence barriers, and two, actually know what the freak to do, because we don't know, we have no idea. So I would say, one, get help, and two, think about who you are talking to. They would be my two tips. Love it. So important, because, yeah, exactly what you said. You don't know what you don't know. And imagine if you made an investment in yourself and knew it was going to work out on the other side, like you have nothing to lose because the return is going to be everything. So exactly. Very cool. Well, Sherilyn, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I could ask you a zillion more questions, but I won't. <laughs> um, before we Part go, two. yeah, exactly. That's always an option as well. Before we yeah. go, can you share with everyone where we can find you online? And I will link it in the show notes too, just in case 
you miss of it. Of course. Yeah. So you will find me all over the place, right? So first of all, Instagram is my main platform. So uh, my name is literally just my name. So Sherilyn Carter on Instagram, you'll find me there. I'm also on TikTok as Sherilyn Carter. You will notice that my content is very different on TikTok to what it is on Instagram. My TikTok content is stupid funny you know comedy reels right <laughs> and then it's more educational and inspirational on Instagram so these are all things that I do to kind of show my clients the different styles of content that you can create I also have my brand which is Travel Addicts UK so you can find us on Facebook and um, it's a Facebook group where you can kind of interact with the community or if you just want to follow from the sidelines then you can find Travel Addicts UK on um, Instagram as well um, and that's where you'll find out about group trips if you're based in the UK then you'll find out about local events and meetups and um, back in July we, we hired a, a double-decker bus and like drove through London drinking drinks and like partying on the rooftop of this bus it was so much fun so there's all sorts of things going on so I would say that they would be the best places to find me and um, if you want to just check out my website you can find where to go from there and that's SherilynCarter.com. Perfect well thank you so much I just love your energy and your story and how everything just played out like so seemingly yeah. perfectly in hindsight. Yes. So thank you for being In hindsight. Here. <laughs> yes, it's always in hindsight. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone. I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, Come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.